Come, taste and see that the Lord is good. Psalm 34, I like that. I'll probably never be able to read Psalm 34 again without thinking of that drum beat right in between. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much to our praise team for leading us in worship today. Would you find in your Bibles or smartphones or whatever you may have, Judges, the book of Judges, we're going to be looking at chapter four, maybe even some at chapter five. I've got to tell you that sometimes, uh, probably 85, 90% of the time when I'm reading the Bible, I start to say I'm reading the real Bible, but I'm reading the hard copy. It's still the real Bible if you read it from your phone and that's okay. And uh, we have, uh, actually we have some in the bottom of our chairs if you are looking for one, love for you to have be able to look at this because as we look at these, the story we're going to look at today is actually told in chapter four of Judges, and then again in chapter five. In chapter five, it is written in poetry or prose, and more details are given to tell us a little bit more about the story in which we read. So if you, got, you, know, if you happen to have a hard copy with you, you can look at that and be able to compare, go back and forth a little bit. But some of you are faster on your phone than I am with turning a page. So you probably could get there as well. Plus, we're gonna have most of them on the screen also. I wanna tell you as we... As we read this story, we're in the midst. By the way, I'm so glad to see you today. Appreciate you being here. Good to see many guests who are here today. We always have guests. We had a great time in the first service. Wonderful spirit here today. We feel the presence of the Lord. We believe it's in the first service as well. In fact, we presented three new members in the first service next Sunday. Just give God all the glory. Got about a half a dozen that we're baptizing uh, next week. So you want to be here and be a part of that. So we rejoice. Give the Lord all the glory. If you're a guest here today, you've already been welcome, but we're honored that you have come. And sometimes you come, you may think you're the only guest, but you're not, hardly ever. And uh, so we have uh, always have many and we appreciate you being and, uh, here. And we appreciate members too, though. We love you and we're glad that you're here uh, as well. But as we, read, as we read this story that's part of our series called Stepping Up While Others Are Stepping Down, Learning, the, learning Lessons from the Book of Judges with a Focus on Jesus. Uh, as we do that, we've come and we're kind of giving profiles of the judges that are found in the book. And so we come today and I want to give you the players of that uh, before we read the passage, maybe to help you to stay focused as we read uh, part of this chapter today. First, we have Deborah. Deborah's the judge at this time over Israel, one of the leader, the leader of Israel, I guess, at this time. And then there's also the next one would be uh, Barak. You've heard that name before, but he's the commander of uh, Israel's army. And then we have the one who is the king of Canaan, Jabin, Jabin and the Canaanites are enemies of the Israelites here in the Old Testament. We know that. Uh, and then Sisera. Sisera is the general of Canaan's army. So you've got Jabin and Sisera. And then you've got Deborah and Barak. Maybe you've heard of Deborah before. And uh, Deborah and Barak are the good guys, or the good guys and gals. And then Jabin and Sisera, not so much. And so as we read this passage, uh, my uh, lapel mic went out in the first service, so I'm, I feel like I'm one-handed today, but we can handle this. And as we look at this passage, Judges chapter four, beginning with verse one, this now is the word of God. Let me encourage you to stay focused as we read through, and I will do the same. It says, and the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ahud died, and the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth Hagayim. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. 
Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. I'll draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, if you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. Then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh, and Barak called out Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. 10,000 men went up at his heels and Deborah went up with him. Picking up at verse 12 in Judges chapter four. When Sisera was told that Barak, the son of Abinom, had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera called out all his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the men who were with him from Harasheth Hagayim to the river Kishon. And Deborah said to Barak, up, for this is the day in which the Lord has given Sisera into your hand. Does not the Lord go out before you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots and all his army before Barak by the edge of the sword. And Sisera got down from his chariot and fled away on foot. And Barak pursued the chariots and the army of Harasheth Hagayim. And all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword and not a man was left. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. And please, no applause for being able to pronounce all of those words. You don't know whether I got them right or not. It may be that the book of Judges is one of the lesser known books in the Bible or of the Old Testament, the stories there. It may be primarily because there are names and places that are hard to pronounce and maybe names and places of people and places that you have not heard of. And because of that, we think, well, you know, I'll read something that's a little bit easier. But I want to tell you, do not let uh, the difficulty of these names and places and the reading of those cause you to lose the focus on Holy Scripture. Sometimes, like buried treasure has to be dug out of the ground, this might take some effort, but you can know that it will be well worth it. Deborah is one of the judges of Israel, and she's one of my heroes. And Hopefully you'll see clearly why that is. And before you leave today, maybe she might be one of your heroes. I have to say that Amanda Thrift uh, shared testimony last week. And I introduced her and I said, Amanda's one of my heroes. And I don't say that flippantly, nor do I say it so often that it has no meaning. Amanda was one of our college students, member of our church. And she felt called and led by the Lord to go to Africa and to teach at a school in Africa, a school there... I have been before, have seen, and uh, even before I knew Amanda, which uh, so hard to believe we had that relation there. And, and uh, she was called to go and to teach at that school, which is in a compound, walled up area and a compound in which she serves. And she could probably go and just teach those kids and do, you know, while in that compound. But she has done much more, much greater than expected so that as she shared with last week to those who were here last week, she shared that she, she often leaves the compound and she goes and she's known in the community because she ministers to families and to girls and to kids and in one of the most underdeveloped countries in the world. She's gone well beyond expectation, so much so that next year she's anticipating not teaching at all, but as a representative of that school to be in the community. So yes, when people and believers 
go beyond expectation. I consider them one of my heroes. And missionaries particularly who have given their lives to share the gospel around the world, I believe are to be held in high esteem. If the judges of the Old Testament were an Olympic sport, then Deborah, we would call her the gold medal judge. Now I realize we talk about judges in the Olympics, it's usually the judges who give out the gold medals, but in comparison to all the other judges in the book, I'd give her the gold medal when it comes to godliness and influence. And that's including judges that are a little more well-known like Gideon and Samson, and even the first judge that is mentioned that we called the ideal judge. In keeping with the Olympic theme, the story we just read, there are some people in the story in which we read and in these chapters that I want you to pay close attention to. And we're going to award some of these together. We're going to award these either the gold, silver, or the bronze medal, maybe for an outline for us since it's the Olympics, why not? And hopefully, maybe even as you're watching the Olympics this week and you see the United States being awarded gold, silver, or bronze, maybe you'll think maybe even about this passage and maybe some of these people and maybe the lessons that we've learned here today. So we're going to start with the gold. Ready? The gold medal we're going to award to, we've already mentioned her, of course, Deborah who went beyond expectation. Now, Deborah's the only female judge in the book of Judges. She gets the gold in comparison to the rest of the judges, and she also gets a gold in comparison to the rest of the people in the story. So it's kind of a double gold medal, maybe. She's one of the first judges that we see pictured more in the traditional role as a judge of Israel. She's also called a prophetess and. She would sit under a palm tree named after her and people would bring their problems and their civil matters and their disputes and such to her and she sits under the shade tree to make judgments as God's representative. Yes, a female judge would be an odd thing in that culture, that male-dominated culture, even more so than it would be today. But her willingness to step up when others are stepping down, God called her to this leadership position. Even if you've not read the first three chapters of Judges, you kind of get a clue as you read chapter four in verse one, for it says the Israelites again, as if this was a cycle and is a cycle that continues, they again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And the word again lets you know it's not the first time. In fact, this is the third or fourth time Israel's done evil in God's sight just in this book of Judges. And because of their disobedience, which primarily was that they were serving foreign gods or worshiping foreign idols, and they were giving their children in marriage to pagan idol worshipers. And because of this, God, God causes, or uses the word here, he sells the Israelites to the king of Canaan, people living in that land, Jabin. And the Israelites are cruelly oppressed for 20 years. Now, remember again, when Joshua, I meant to say Joshua in the previous book, when Joshua, the Israelites first came into the promised land, you remember what they, they were to go and they were to run out or destroy all the people who are living in the land of Canaan, in the promised land, but they did not. And so thus we have the result. Idol worship, the giving of their children to foreign gods. It sounds kind of foreign to us, but it's really not that foreign. I mean, look around. There are idol worshipers all around. Uh, we know that anything from the money that we earn to the power and prestige that we yearn, we know that idol worshiping is taking place. Worldliness, a form of idol worship presents itself in many, many different forms. And yes, we're, 
We're see, we see the giving away of our children to the gods of worldliness. In fact, if you're not committing your children to the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're not showing the importance of his church, then and every day seeking to be able to help your children to learn about the importance and that you serve only one God, you are by default giving your children away to be taught by others, the gods and the idols of worldliness. And we are teaching this and the next generation to follow other gods. And we often miss this. As, as we read something like this and maybe make a comparison to what's happening today, we, we look around at the world and say, look at, look at how bad the world is. Oh, you know, it was bad in that day. It's bad in this day. And, but I want you to be able to understand that the application as God was uh, concerned about his children, his people, it's still today. He's certainly concerned about all the things happening in the world, but he is mostly working in and through and wants to change the hearts and the lives of those who are called followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So if the world's getting worse, it's because the church, the body of Christ, you and I are not the salt and light that we need to be. So let's make it clear that we worship one God and that we serve only one God. And after 20 years of cruel oppression, God's people, as is part of the cycle, finally they cry out to God as they had done before. And God hears their cry and their prayer as he always does. But this time, instead of raising up a deliverer or a judge or a savior, there's already a judge on the scene. Her name is Deborah. And she's already caring for God's people and leading and at work. Why Deborah a female judge? Well, it could just simply have been God's choice. I mean, and there have been many throughout the Bible. Even Miriam, Moses' sister, was called a leader of the nations. Queen Esther certainly was a person of influence. Lydia was the first convert, your uh, first European convert to Christianity. Deacon Philip had four daughters who prophesied and there are others. So this may have been another long line of women God has called and used for his purpose. But it may have been that no one else and in particular, no men would step up. No men would step up to be a godly servant. I, I certainly believe in men being the spiritual uh, servant leaders in the home and in the church. All are created equal. There's no distinction in Christ, but the biblical of role of men to be servant leaders is clear. Not as dictators, but as leaders in serving both in the home and the church. But when that's not taking place, when men are not fulfilling that role, godly women must step up, which goes with our theme of stepping up even when others are not or stepping up even when others are stepping down. This is represented here in the story when Deborah summoned Barak, who is the commander of the Israeli army. Not a terrible guy. He's just not quite as godly or having as much courage or as much willingness as Deborah. When she asks him or commands him to go and get his soldiers and informs him or maybe reminds him that God wants him to fight the enemy, the commanding officer of the Israeli army looks at Deborah the judge and says, I'll go if you'll go. I mean, if you're not going, I'm not gonna go. And she agrees to go, maybe better understood as of course I'll go. But Barak would not receive the recognition of the defeating the woman. Did you catch that? He would not receive the recognition, but it would be to a woman. Deborah may not have been expected to actually go to the battlefront. She's the judge and the leader of Israel. In fact, for some reason, if you paid attention, you notice there was a picture here of what Deborah's doing. She's, the people are coming to her so that she might be able to judge and be able to rule. And she's sitting under a palm tree, under the shade, 
Uh, and, and they named the shade after her. I don't think she probably named that. You know, they said, this is, this is the, the palm of Deborah and people are coming. So she may not have been expected to go, but she went anyway. She was called a prophetess. The word prophet or prophetess means forth teller. She's telling what God has already revealed. There were times that she revealed prophecy twice in this passage. Once when she tells Barak that uh, the Lord has given you victory. And then also when she tells Barak, but you will not receive the glory. The glory will come to a woman. Uh, we expect that woman maybe that it would be Deborah, but there's going to be a twist. So don't lose here. You want to hear the twist. And uh, while well, she could have said, you know, my work is here. I'm going to sit under my palm tree. I've got lots of people waiting on me. I've got lots of appointments. She went. She does more than expected. In the TV version of the Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot, about the Revolutionary War, Mel Gibson's son in the movie, Benjamin, played by Heath Ledger, he goes to a particular town nearby and all the people are gathered in the church. And he gives a stirring speech as to why they need to come and join the militia, you know, for this new country and several volunteer. And it's a moving time that takes place. And they're, they're all, you're going, you meet outside in front of the church, gather your belongings. And, and there's they're gathering together. All the townspeople are standing around, you know, I guess seeing the men off that are joining the militia. And suddenly the preacher shows up with gun in hand and somebody yells out from the crowd, Reverend? as if they didn't expect the preacher to fight. I'm one-handed. Hang on, I can get this one on. And the preacher, somebody says, Reverend, make sure you know where we are, as if they're not expecting the preacher to fight. And then the Reverend turns, and he said, a shepherd must tend his flock, and at times, fight off the wolves. As you might guess, that's my favorite line in the movie. I, I take that to mean as pastor at times, I must go to children's camp and race all the kids on the wet willy super slide that goes into the lake. Oh, it's a tough job, but it needs to be done. Well, maybe more than that. Maybe it means that we're all in this together, not a fight against flesh and blood, but we're to fight what the Apostle, Paul's, Apostle Paul calls the good fight. Yes, against the evil injustice of this world, but we're not fighting evil people. The evil people are the ones that we want to win to Christ, but no, we are fighting through sharing the gospel and the good news and the truth and being sure that we're loving people, all people. We're fighting against sin and temptation, fighting not to be overwhelmed by whatever situation or circumstance that we might be in, knowing Jesus has already won the victory. I believe, and I've told our church staff members and many servant and church leaders, never ask anybody to do anything that you wouldn't already do and that you're not already doing. So we find first from the first gold medal winner, what we can learn is that you can be a person of influence by demonstrating your faith before others, even when others are not. Brock was influenced by her. Finally, the commander of God's army was encouraged to recruit others and to lead. And not all, but many Israelites followed and came to the aid of Israel, fought in God's army, 10,000 people, two particular tribes, but even some others. In Deborah's song in chapter five, which is a song of poetry, some of you love poetry, so you'll love maybe how this is said. She calls out names of those who did and those who didn't. Yeah, particularly those who didn't. She's calling them by name, says you didn't come and help. Look at chapter, Judges chapter five, verses 16 and 17 says this. 
It says, among the clans of Reuben, there were great searchings of heart. In other words, at least you thought about it, but you didn't come help. Gilead stayed beyond the Jordan. And Dan, why did he stay with the ships? Asher sat still at the coast of the sea, sailing by his landings. You recognize these are some of the 12 tribes of Israel, Reuben, Gilead, Dan, and Asher. But she commended those who fought. Look at verses 13 through 15. And then 18, verse 13 says this, then down marched the remnant of the noble. The people of the Lord marched down from me among the mighty. From Ephraim, their root, they marched down into the valley. Following you, Benjamin, with your kinsmen. From Micah, marched down the commanders. And from Zebulun, those who here bear the lieutenant's staff, the princess of Issachar came with Deborah. Zebulun is a people who risked their lives to the death. Naphtali, too, on the heights of the field. She commends those who were a part of the battle. Now, it may be a simple lesson, but instead of being called out as the ones who do not do anything, don't you want to be listed among those who did something for the Lord Jesus so that every day that we are getting up and reporting to our Lord Jesus, reporting for duty, sir, what would you have me to do today? There's a silver medal we're going to award. It's going to be a little bit unexpected, I guess, but the silver medal goes to J.L., the unexpected heroine. J.L., you have never heard of, you don't know who that is unless you've read this passage recently. It's a lady. We've not read about her today yet. We did read in chapter four that God's army defeats and kills all the men of the Canaan army except the commander Sisera. He jumps off his chariot. He flees on foot while the battle's still going on. He comes to the home in the tent of this Kenite woman by the name of Jael and asked to come in. Now the Kenites, they were at peace with the Canaanites, but also they were related by marriage to the Israelites. You remember Moses' father-in-law, Jethro. Jethro was a Kenite. And so by that way, they were related to the Israelites. And uh, so let's read what happens when Sisera, the commander of the evil Canaanite army, goes to Jael's tent. Judges chapter four, verses 18 through 22 says this. And Jael came out to meet Sisera and said to him, turn aside, my Lord, turn aside to me. Do not be afraid. So he turned aside to her in the tent and she covered him with a rug and he said to her, please give me a little water to drink for I'm thirsty. And she opened a skin of milk, gave him to drink and covered him. And behold, as Barak was pursuing Sisera, Jael went out to meet him and said to him, come and I will show you the man whom you are seeking. So he went into her tent and there by Sisera, uh, there, by, there lay Sisera dead with the tent peg in his temple. And he said to her, stand at the opening of the tent. Wait, we've already, and if any, oh, no, excuse me. We may have gotten that out of order just a little bit. But you've realized what has taken place and what J.L. has done. She's come and she has taken the tent peg and she's taking care of the commander of the Canaanite army. Do you remember when I, we began this and we talked about judges, some of you that were here, I said, when we talk about judges, we're not necessarily going to defend the word of God. We're simply going to let it speak for itself. And so that's kind of what we're doing today. But I find myself wanting to quickly say, you need to be like J.L., not necessarily with a tent peg, but you need to be like J.L. in the sense that you are going 
to follow the Lord's direction in whatever he needs for you to do, defeating sin and temptation and injustices of this world. Better yet, knowing that Christ has already defeated sin, death, and all injustice when he died on the cross and rose again, you can live a life knowing these are defeated and claim the victory by trusting him more. Do you remember what Deborah said to Barak when he said, I will only go if you'll go. She said, I will go, but you will not receive credit. A woman will. Well, we thought that she was talking about herself. But the woman who receives credit is a non-Israelite who received credit for defeating the commander. Later, when Barak shows up to Jael's house looking for the enemy, she says, I'll show you the enemy. And Barak comes into the tent. There lay the commander with the tent peg in his temple and still nailed to the ground. Does she deserve a medal for this? Well, I'm giving her the silver medal. Deborah had already prophesied that she was the one who was going to receive credit for this. And in Judges chapter five in Deborah's song, in the next chapter, she praises her. Not only is the commander destroyed, but the Israeli army continues to pursue until the king of the Canaanites also is destroyed. Now, we've addressed many times, I guess, the violence of the Old Testament judgment of the Lord on evil and how we're to make application for that. Can I say, while it may be confusing and hard to explain at times, it could also be comforting knowing God will not allow evil or injustice to continue forever. There will be a day of reckoning. And because you've experienced the love of Jesus, the love of Christ compels us to live and share in such a way that all may know and all may be delivered or application of the violence of the Old Testament is not physical, but it is spiritual. And when I read about the violence of the Old Testament, I find myself sometimes inadequate to communicate successfully an explanation, but let it not be misunderstood for I am resolute when it comes to placing my faith in the holiness of God and the love of God for all people for whom he created. So having said that from the silver medal winner from J.L., we learned this, that you can be a person of influence by taking every opportunity to serve God and to serve others. You may not know what each day is going to bring, may not know what each week and month and year, what's going to take place, but oh, we always want to be ready and listening to the Lord who's at work through his word, Holy Spirit living in us if we're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So I'm asking you today and this week and as we move forward, particularly be paying attention and ready for where the Lord might want to use you so that you might be able to serve him. The, the bronze medal winner. The bronze goes to Barack that we've mentioned. He was faithful when encouraged. Barack, the leader of God's army, he wasn't quite ready to do it alone, only if Deborah went. What's the theme of our series? Stepping up, even if others are stepping down. So, Lord wants to lead us to a place to where even if we have to go it alone, we're ready to go. Thankfully, we have one another. We have others who are continuing to give us encouragement and go along with us. And even when we had gathered, he had gathered 10,000 troops following behind him. Deborah still has to encourage him. Verse 14, Judges chapter four and verse 14, Deborah tells Barak, up, for this is the day the Lord has given the enemy into your hand. Notice that command, up. Depending on your translation, it could be translated arise. 
It could be translated, move. It could be translated, get ready. It could be translated, get up. It could be translated, go. Because the Lord's not gonna call you to something he's not already equipped you for or to where he has already won the victory. When, when Deborah first went to Barak, he already had his marching orders. She wasn't telling him, she was not giving him new information. If you go back and read it, you'll see. He says, you know, the Lord's already told you that you need to be marching forward with the troops, but he needed encouragement and more faith to combat his fears. Now, these three that we've looked at, the two ladies and the one man, it may be that we identify more with Barak. We have our marching orders for the most part. They're found in the word of God. We, you, you know what God wants you to do. In fact, it may be that God has brought us here today so that you might and I might so that we might hear the word. Up, get ready, move, go. Because you, thank you for jumping, at least that was, because you, you know God, you know what God wants you to do. So do what God wants you to do. Now, if you're dealing with something and you really are, need to make a decision or something's happening and you're thinking, I'm not sure what to do. I need to know what God's word said. Know what, I'd like to know what God would have to say. Two things I would tell you. First of all, whatever God's answer is, it's gonna be in keeping and aligned with the word of God. So that's a good place to start. And the second is this. You need to do what you know God wants you to do in every other part of your life and he's more likely then to tell you what you need to do in that particular part of your life. In other words, do what you know to do and God will show you what it is that you need to do. So from the bronze medal winner, we learned this, you can be a person of influence by discovering ways to increase your faith. Discover ways to increase your faith. Find yourself in God's word often. Find yourself around people who will give you encouragement and will help you and be influenced by people of faith. Get up and move on with what you know that God wants you to do. I think for Brock, it must have been a process. He needed more faith. He was fearful, but I think his faith grew. And the reason I say this is because he's mentioned in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 11 is that great roll call of faith where he's where the writer of Hebrews lists all many of the people of faith are in the Old Testament. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 33, guess who's mentioned? It says, what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms. We're gonna mention some of these judges in this verse as well. Thus, if you recognize that you need more faith, you've come to the right place because I are one of you and there's hope that our faith will grow when we put it into the hands of the Lord. Speaking of women of faith, I read again recently about the story of Helen Keller, Tuscumbia, Alabama. I forgot what a national and even a worldwide influence she was for people with disabilities and the people who are blind and people who could not hear uh, she was, you know her story when she was two years old she was thought to have had scarlet fever which left her deaf, mute and blind she was in a dark, deep dark world with no connection with anyone for a long long time no human to being received no contact what a deep dark world she experienced until somebody made a connection to her had influence on her and she became a great Example of care and compassion, encouragement for others as well. 
There was another little girl before Helen Keller. She's simply known as Little Annie. Little Annie was sent to a mental institution near Boston. And in those days, she was placed where people who as insane as Little Annie was were put. They, she was put in the cellar in the, in the dungeon of this facility in a cage. That's what she did in those days. And they fed her and they clothed her and put her in the cage and left her. Well, one elderly nurse thought all God's creatures needed love, so she would come and sit with her during her lunch break. And little Annie often was violent, often had showed no recognition that anybody else was around. Well, one day she made some brownies, left them there near the cage. Next day she noticed the brownies were missing. So every day she brought little Annie some brownies, made the first connection. And over a period of time, she made much progress until finally she was put onto the floor to where she was actually given care to where people could be given care. And after several days and years went by, finally she was miraculously told that she was cured and she was able to be released, but she didn't, but she decided to stay anyway because as she had been cared for, she wanted to care for others and she dedicated her life to staying right there and helping other people because the influence on her, she wanted to have a great influence on others as well, spent the rest of her life caring for others. Two women in our story, there's a couple of ladies that were influenced also, maybe as examples. Oh, one other thing about Helen Keller, she received lots of awards in her life. She received the Presidential Medal of Honor. She was recognized one time by the Queen of England for giving service and inspiration to many in this world as one of the most sensitive, caring, ministering people the world has ever known. And she was given an award by the Queen of England. She was asked to make a few remarks. And this is what Helen Keller said. Had it not been for my nurse, no one would have ever heard of me. She's the one who loved me, prayed for me, witnessed to me, who shared Christ with me. She is the one who taught me that I was loved, that I could be loving. She's the only, she's the one who taught me how to make sounds and to speak. She gave her life helping me have this ministry. So I'd like to thank my nurse and friend, Ann Sullivan, and many of you know, the one who was known as Little Annie. Like the ripple of a rock in a pond, your influence touches many others. And while we have awarded these three in the story medals, so to speak, at least today as people of influence, we also know from this story that all glory goes to our Lord and Savior. All along, we know that the Lord's in charge of the battle. He brings the victory. From the song of Deborah in chapter five, we find that he is in charge also of the weather. Now, you may remember we read in chapter four, the battle began near the Kishon River. Well, for most of the year, the Kishon River is a dry river bed. But God sent a terrific storm to flood the river and to flood the plain. And uh, we read about that in Judges chapter five, verses 21 and 22, where it says, the torment Kishon swept them away. The ancient torrent, the torrent Kishon, March on, my soul with might. Then loud beat the horse's hooves and the galloping, galloping of his steeds. Now you remember there are 900 iron chariots. We don't know exactly what an iron chariot is. Sometimes it's been described as a tank that's being pulled by horses. And they were oppressing the people for 20 years because of those iron chariots, which probably runs well on a dry road, but not very good in the flood. And the Lord sent the flood so that they might be able to 
win the battle. While Israel had 10,000 soldiers, the enemy had multiples more, but God gave the victory. The Lord said in Joshua chapter four and verse seven, I will give them into your hand. Then he says again in Judges chapter four and verse 12, does not the Lord go out before you? Boy, what a great truth to carry with you no matter where you're going, no matter what you're doing as a follower of the Lord Jesus. The Lord not only lives inside you, but he goes out before you as well. So we learn all glory goes to our Lord. You can learn that you can be a person of influence knowing victory is already assured. Deborah sang this song in chapter five for two decades. There was no reason to be able to write or to sing songs. There was just no reason for it. But now she sings this song to a mighty God. Judges chapter five and verse 31. The very last verse in Judges chapter five says this. So may all your enemies perish, O Lord. But your friends be like the sun as he rises in his might. And the land had rest for 40 years. In Christ, all your enemies have been defeated. It's all right. It's okay. I'm giving you permission. Go ahead. Live as if it is really true. And let God's light shine through you. And we invite you today, if you're not already a friend of Jesus, join us. Join us in our quest to exalt the name of Jesus, to love on one another, and to tell more people about the good news of the Lord Jesus. We invite you to become a friend of Jesus today by asking Christ to forgive you of your sins, repenting of sin and turning to faith in him, and asking the Lord to be your savior. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for our time here together. We thank you that we can come and worship you, Father. We thank you that we can do that freely here and we can also do it in spirit and truth. We pray, Father, that you may continue to be at work even now as we come to these last few moments and last few minutes of our service together. We pray, Father, that you may be working in our hearts so that we might live as if you have already won the victory so that we might be influenced by what we've read here today by one another and that we might be influencers for you. We pray also, Father, if there's one here today, one listening, watching live stream, Father, that even today, no matter where they're at, that today, without hesitation, they know that they can call upon you as Savior and Lord. We pray that that may take place. Thank you, Father, for our time together. It's in Christ's name we lift these prayers. Amen.